I'm wearing black today because many of you know Kentucky lost last night to Tennessee in basketball, and so I feel a little down. The white buttons are because Duke lost too, and so that's the ray of hope that I have. We're talking about today, we're beginning a new series uh, about hearing God speak to you. Now, we've entered a new year And we have this opportunity to do things differently in 2018. And so today we're going to talk about, if if I wanted to hear God speak, and and that's kind of one of the issues we're going to talk about today, but if I want to hear God speak, what does it take for me to hear? Because communication is a difficult thing sometimes. Now, let, let me start with an illustration. Being accepted to college is a great experience. I know um, I got accepted to college, and I remember that day, and, and my girls got accepted, and back in the day they would send you a letter, and you'd open the letter, and it would say, you've been accepted. It's just, it really always felt great and grand, and, and you would share it with your family and your friends, you've been accepted. And you can imagine, a couple years ago at UC Santa Barbara, they, they sent out an email to 29 thousand students that said, you've been accepted to UC Santa Barbara. It's, I mean, it was, it was huge. The problem was, these are people that they had already rejected. And they sent 29,000 people this email of acceptance to admission day. Hey, come to admission day. They sent it to them by mistake. So then, two hours later, they send them another email. Ignore the email. The first email was right, where we didn't accept you. That whole we accept you now thing, that was wrong. We now unaccept you again. Double rejection. It reminded me a lot of my high school dating career. Uh, it, it It was, you know, can you imagine what that felt like for these students? I mean, at least though they knew. Within two hours, they got their hopes up, but then they... They got them dashed on the rocks. At least they knew. Jonathan, where are you? Jonathan, this is the story I wanted you to hear because this is good. Okay. Because I know sometimes, Jonathan, my friend, Jonathan King is an author. He's an author. And you, as an author, you submit things over and over and you get rejection letters. And that's tough. I know that's difficult because you're trying and trying and trying. But someday... There's going to be one that says, yes, yes, yes. But it's tough. I mean, so be encouraged. We know you're going to make it. But here's the rejection letter. There's a a magazine in Baton Rouge called the New Delta Review. At least you haven't gotten this one because this is what they write. Thank you for your submission. Unfortunately, the work you sent is quite terrible. Uh, Isn't that horrible? Please forgive the form rejection, but it would take too much time uh, to tell you exactly how terrible it is. So uh, you've never gotten anything that bad, right, Jonathan? There's never been the one, and we know you're going to make it. And, and, and I, but I, when I read that, I thought, oh, bless his heart. I mean, I've received rejection letters. And so communication, we're talking about communication. God wants to communicate with us. And some, one of the most basic claims of Christianity is that God speaks to his people. He speaks to us, which is an amazing, amazing thing. Over and over again in Scripture it says, And God said. And He speaks to us in different and various ways. And today we're going to talk about how He does this or how receptive we are to it because 
in relationship, this is how it goes, the better the communication, the better the relationship. If you have great communication, you usually have a great relationship. And it's just not always that way. Husbands and wives, I mean, I, Miriam communicates with me sometimes, and one of two things, well, one of three things happen. I listen. Sometimes that happens. Occasionally, I don't listen. Occasionally, I don't understand. And man, here's something. There are two things you need to understand about women, and nobody knows what they are. So uh, you be encouraged by this. Be encouraged by it. Now, if I have difficulty communicating sometimes clearly with my wife, who I am around all the time, and I listen to quite frequently. I mean, we have a great relationship, and I think we communicate well. But sometimes I misunderstand. Sometimes we just don't connect. If, if I have difficulty with my wife, then think about how difficult it might be to communicate with an all-powerful God who I cannot see. So what I'm not saying today is this is easy. Oh, this is easy. In fact, it's not easy. To, to hear God's voice often is quite difficult. We, it takes some effort on our parts, and we're going to talk about that today. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. If you want to turn there, or if you want to get there on your phone, and our series is Hello, Learning uh, to Hear God's Voice. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And sometimes people will think, oh, pastors have a direct line to God. Like I have on my desk a little red phone, and, and if I want to know God's will, I pick up the red phone. Although I never quite understood why it would be a red phone, because that's the color of Satan. Uh, but uh, uh, you have like the, the phone that's direct connected to God. And, and understand something, I, I don't always get it right either. And so if you've ever thought you heard God's voice, but you didn't hear God's voice, it's okay. Sometimes we get it wrong. That's okay. Have you ever got a phone call? And I know we don't call as much as we used to, but it used to, you get a phone call, and, and it was before caller ID a lot of times, and somebody would start talking to you. And they, there are ways to begin a conversation. I like it when somebody says, hey, this is John, and uh, let's talk about this. But sometimes they'll just say, hey, um, how are you doing? And you don't know who they are. Have you ever had those conversations? I had a conversation like that one time for 10 minutes, and it was a wrong number. I mean, it was, that's horrible. But now the one person, Miriam, never has to say, hey, this is Miriam, because I know her voice. So today we're going to talk about how do we get to a place where we, we can discern God's voice, okay? Because there's nothing more important than to understand God wants to talk to you and that you can hear him if you tune in. If you tune in. A quick survey. In the 70s and 80s, there was a great television show, maybe the best television show ever produced. Anybody want to venture a guess? This is, this is fact, by the way. I didn't make this up. Best television show. What? Seinfeld is okay. Dukes of Hazard. That's right. Best television show ever. Got Bo and Luke. Does anybody know who that guy is? Cooter, who knew that? That's horrible. Anybody that knew that was Cooter, that's, that's sad. Right? I mean, that's sad. Now, in the General Lee, they're pictured, there was a preferred means of communication with other 
people in other rednecky kind of cars and at home. What was that preferred means of communication? CB radio. Did y'all have CB radio growing up? We had a CB radio. My daddy was a truck driver. What was the channel you turned on if you wanted to hear the truck drivers? Anybody remember? Channel 1-9. And if you got on the CB radio, you could not talk like normal people. Nobody understood that. So you had a handle. Anybody want to share their handle? Snake doctor, you know, uh, uh, fuzzy bunny. I mean, everybody had a... Uh, everybody had a little handle, you know, and, and so you'd get on the CB, and if you wanted to know if somebody else was on the CB, you, you would say what? You got what? You got your ears on? Hey, Jelly Belly, you got your ears on? Breaker 1-9. This is Fuzzy Bunny. Jelly Bean, you got your ear. You, that's how you'd have to do it. Okay. The point was, if you were tuned into the right channel, and if Jellybean was on the CB, and you were on the CB, you could communicate. But you had to be on the same channel, right? That's how it worked with the greatest television show of all times. Okay, well, right now, God speaks to us. If God was on a CB radio, he would be saying, breaker, breaker, Whatever your handle is, pukey duke man, or something like that, uh, you got your ears on. Got your ears on. That's what he, he'd be saying. Because God wants us to, to listen, to have our ears on for his voice. So, in Luke 18, Jesus tells this real, uh, sorry, Luke 8, Jesus tells this incredibly interesting story, and it's all about attitude. What is my attitude in hearing God's voice? Now, you've probably heard this story before. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to kind of dissect it a little bit. But it's really about, if I want to hear God's voice, I've got to get my ears on. And how I get my ears on is really important for me to, to be receptive to his voice. So let's look at Luke 8. A farmer, Jesus teaches, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. And some seed fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture, no root. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up uh, with it and choked the plant. The, the, The thorns grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Isn't that interesting? He basically says, Hey, anybody that got their ears on, that's where we got it from. It was Jesus. Uh, Anybody has got their ears on should listen to this. Now, understand, um, today we sow differently than, we, than they sowed in the Middle East in, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago. A, a farmer would turn over the soil. And they would do it with a hoe. I don't think they had a lot, of, a lot of other means. Like today, we would plow it and till it and that kind of thing. But for, they would prepare the soil to receive the seed. And then the farmer would go out and he would have a pouch kind of with a handle. With a, a handle and, and he would have the seed. And, and it was called broadcast seeding. And he would take hands full of these seeds and he would throw them out. Now, when you came in today, 
you got a seed, right? Everybody should have gotten a seed, and I've got mine in my pocket. It's right here somewhere. We're going to talk about the, the seed for us today represents God's potential speaking to us. Now, the cool thing about a seed is it has tons of potential. I mean, you plant a seed, and it can become something much bigger than, than a seed, and it can produce more seeds. And God wants to speak to us. And when Jesus tells this story, he's talking about four kinds of receptivity to God's word, his voice, the seeds he wants to plant in our hearts. So if you have your outlines and and you want to fill in the blanks, here's the first blank. In order to hear God speak to me, I have to cultivate an open mind. I have to be willing to to accept his word. Now, the first thing he talks about there is some seed fell along the path. If I have a field, I would have a footpath in the field in order to walk around the field, and I would sow seed to the right, and I could sow seed to the left, and I would walk down this path. Now, the path wasn't very receptive for seed. It wasn't, it wasn't receptive It wasn't prepared. I mean, the other ground is prepared, but the footpath, it never got tilled. It never got turned over. It really wasn't receptive. And so if seed fell on the footpath, it wasn't germinated. It really had very little chance. So the first type of receptivity is when my my heart is hard, when I just don't want to listen. Because there's two things you know about the footpath. In the middle of this field, the footpath, number one, is hard. It's well-traveled. It's not receptive. And number two, it's narrow. And I don't know if you've ever met people that are hardened to God's voice or they're narrow-minded to God. Some people have never heard God speak to them because they didn't know it was possible. They're not receptive at all. And so they miss God speaking because... They're closed-minded, they're, they're hard-hearted, and they're, they're narrow. Now, what's really cool about this, I don't want us to miss this. Jesus still speaks, even when our hearts are hard. There was seed that landed on the path. God doesn't just ignore people who have a hard heart. God doesn't say, well, forget them, I'm not even going to try. There was seed that fell along the path. It, it, it fell there. It just wasn't received there. And so if you, if you found yourself in a place where you kind of have a hard heart toward God's word or, or hearing God's voice, or maybe you never thought God would speak to you, best news you can hear today is that God is speaking to you even now. He, he is speaking to you even now. The problem is you've got to soften your heart for it to be receptive. Now, there are some reasons that we we miss it. I mean, there's a reason our hearts are hard. I I put up three. One is pride. So Sometimes we don't care what God thinks. I mean, let's just be honest. We say to ourselves, I'm going to do this whether God wants me to or not. 
I'm going to marry that man. I know the Bible says that I, as a Christian, shouldn't marry a non-Christian. I know it's in there. I know it's black and white. I know it's plain. But I love him, and I don't particularly care what God says about this. Or, uh, I'm going to take this job, and I know it's going to take me away from my family. And I know the Bible says as a father or as a mother, I'm supposed to spend my time uh, with my family, and, and I'm supposed to be a leader in my home, and this is going to take me away from that. But I care more about the money than I do about what God says. And so my pride says I know better about what to do with my life than God does. And it hardens our hearts. God speaks and he tells us what to do. And we basically say, I'm going to do it myself. The second way people get hardened is through fear. We're afraid that if we say yes to God, we're afraid of what he's going to ask us to do. Uh, I'm afraid that he's going to make me a missionary to Africa, or to China, or to Russia, or to the, behind the uh, Iron Curtain, which isn't even in existence anymore. Uh, he's going he's to send me someplace. He's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. Or, he's going to make me one of those religious, crazy people that I see on television that have the hair, and the white shoes, and leisure suit, and they say, Jesus, a lot. And I don't want to do that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit nervous about what God's going to say. Or, or, or I really like, I'm having a good time. I like having fun. And I'm afraid God is going to tell me, stop having fun. And I'm going to have to leave some of these friends. And I might, God might tell me to, to do something else. And I don't like the thought of that. I'm afraid... That if I say yes to God, I'm going to have to say no to some stuff I really, really like. And so my heart is hardened. The third cause of people saying no to God or not listening or hardening their hearts is bitterness. And I see this a lot as a pastor. There are people who've gone through some difficult times in their lives. And, and they, they have this question in their minds... God, why did you allow this to happen? Why me? I don't think I deserve this. And if you're a loving, good God, why me? And people get bitter. They get hard. And maybe it was a loved one that you lost too soon, or maybe it was you were abused as a child, molested, or you're verbally abused, or physically, or emotionally, or betrayed by a spouse, and you got some bitterness going on. And, or this one happens a lot. Somebody at a church said something to you, they're supposed to be a Christian, and they said this, and and you're kind of like, well, if that's representative of, of Jesus, if that's representative of God, if God would talk to me that way, I don't have anything to do with it. And there are people who are hurt. I, I love that Jesus 
just is real gut level honest about life. He said this one time, have peace in me. Now he's talking to his followers, his disciples. Have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I don't know that he could be any plainer than you are going to have difficulty in this life. Too many people believe that if I follow Christ, then all my problems go away. Well, from this particular verse, you can see that Jesus never promises that. Jesus never promises, hey, if you'll follow me, all your worries will be washed away. He doesn't say that. Here on this earth, because this earth isn't perfect. Remember when Jesus prayed the model prayer? Remember that? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What's the next part? Your will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God's will to be done on earth because it's not always done on earth. We, we ask God, hey, may your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven because sometimes it's not done. This is earth. This is a, this is a messed up, flawed place. Now, it's a beautiful place and we see evidence of God all around and, and there are many aspects of life that are just amazing. But, but... It's not perfect. Heaven is perfection. Heaven, the Bible talks about no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. New bodies, glorified bodies, it's really cool. This isn't it. We're not there yet. And so Jesus, I like the fact that he never promised something that he didn't deliver. He never said, hey, you follow me and all your problems wash away. No, no. Part of maturity in Christ is dealing with many trials and sorrows and understanding that even in the midst of a trial, even in the midst of sorrow, I can learn. Because we have a choice when we confront evil or difficulty in our life. We have a choice. I can become better or I can become bitter. But I get to choose. I can see that even in, even in this mess, God can do something awesome, or I can just be mad. <laughs> I could just get ticked off at God. I can be bitter, or I can be better. The problem with a bitter life is it's wasted. And too many people have a sorrow or a trial or a difficulty. And they run from the very one who could heal their souls. I mean, it's so sad. The very one who has the answer to the problem is the one they run from. And so their hearts are hard. James 1, it says, Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept it. Be receptive to it. So, The first way I can discern God's voice is to cultivate an open mind. The second way to hear God speak is I've got to allocate time to listen. Nobody is going to like this part, but I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Because we are 
really busy people. Does this sound right to you? You hurry to get up. You hurry the kids off to school. You hurry to pick the kids up from school to take them to ball practice. You hurry to get them from ball practice to home. You hurry through the meal. You hurry through the homework. You hurry to bed. You hurry through your prayers before bed. You get to bed so that you can hurry to get to sleep because tomorrow morning you get to do it all over again. We hurry, hurry, hurry. And the question we have to ask ourselves, do we ever schedule time for God, and do not tell me you don't have time for God, because you do. You're going to have to take it from something else. How many of us mindlessly look at our phones for hours a day, checking email? Listen, if you are President of the United States, Secretary of State, or Ambassador to the UN, then you don't have to listen to this. Everybody else, you got time. You got time. I think all those people have time too. It's all about do... Look, we schedule everything else. If I, if, I, if I have a toothache, what do I do? I schedule what? An appointment with a dentist. Thank you, Elise. Thank you. If I've got a toe ache, I schedule an appointment with a... Yes, that's what they're called. I was going to say toe doctor, but yes, a podiatrist. That's right. If I got an issue, I, I schedule it. If I, if I look, if I want to spend time with my wife, sometimes you have to schedule that. If I want to spend time with my kids, you schedule everything. And yet we neglect, we want to hear, here's what's funny. We want to hear God speak to us, and it's almost like the prayer is, God, I've only got a couple minutes. So if you could hurry this along, I'd like that. Could you make this happen right away? And so Jesus said, some rock... Some, fell, some seed fell on rock, and when it came up, the plant withered because it had no moisture. It had no root. In the Middle East, the topsoil is only about three or four inches deep, and then you hit bedrock, and it doesn't have really the opportunity most of the time to develop the roots that it should. The Air Force did a survey. The most depressing story I'll ever tell you as a pastor is this one, because this is horrible. Air Force did a study that found that 90 to 95% of everything we hear, we do not remember, we forget in 72 hours. In 72 hours. That means that this amazing sermon that you're hearing right now, by Wednesday, you won't remember 5% of it. I mean, that's just, it's just really, you people annoy me. I, I just want you to know that. It's really annoying. I was annoyed with you until I thought about it. I can't even remember what I preached last week. So it's, it's all of us. It's all of us. And, and the way that we get better, the, one of the reasons I pro, uh, provide notes for you is because when I write it down, I remember it better. And sometimes I can review it. And, and I don't know about you, but I'll hear something. I, hear, I read stuff or I, I hear stuff, and I'll go back and listen to it again, or I'll go back and read it again, because that way I, I kind of know it, but I don't really know it, and so I write it down so I can remember it, or I mark it so I can remember it. See, here, here's, this is interesting to me, and I think this is true. Why should God teach me new things if I haven't put into practice what he taught me last year or last week or last night? I mean, if I'm not doing what I already know to do, then why do it? Why, why would God give me more if I'm not even doing with 
what I already have. I mean, it's kind of like that. The third thing that he talks about, we have to eliminate distractions. So we have to make time, and we have to eliminate distractions. These two kind of go together, so I kind of wanted to merge them a little bit. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Now, the thorns are sort of representative of distractions. I listed a couple here. Um, Worries, plans, goals, ambitions. Back in the day when you had to make a phone call on a, on a landline, you'd call on Mother's Day usually. You'd call and, and it would say something like, uh, beep, beep, beep. Remember that? I love that. Uh, all circuits are busy. And for us, God's speaking to us and all circuits are busy. And the thorns for me, I think, the Bible's telling us, represent a preoccupied mind. Now, we can get our minds preoccupied with worries. We're worried about this and we're worried about that. Or we're worried about, I mean, there's just so many things. Uh, the Greek word for worry is merimna, merimna, which basically means to be pulled in different directions. And we worry about money or we worry about pleasures, that sort of thing. Let me ask you a deep theological question. How hard is it to grow weeds in your yard? How much effort does it take? I've got Bermuda in my front yard, about 95% Bermuda. And then I have patches of something I like to call spawn of Satan grass. I mean, it is grass. I can dig it up by the roots, throw it away, and plant sod. And miraculously, that weed comes back. It's amazing. Here's what I'm going to do next year. I'm going to plant that weed everywhere. And uh, I won't have to worry about it. I don't have to water it. Because weeds take no effort. We don't have to have any effort. So let me ask you if, if you've ever done this. You're praying, right? You're praying. You, you made a little time. You're reading your Bible. While you're reading your Bible... Into your mind pops, um, you need to call your mother. Uh, you need to take out the trash. You need to cook supper. Never popped into my mind, but maybe yours. Uh, uh, you need whatever. I mean, whatever it is. You've you got to pay this bill. Uh, you forgot to do this. How many of us, anybody else ever done that or is it just me? You're praying. And, yeah, stuff pops in your mind. So, I've got a little notebook. Open it up, and when I'm reading my Bible and praying, I have it open, and I have a little pen right there, and I'm reading, and something pops in my mind. Uh, you need to go get the oil changed, and I'll write that little sucker down. Because here's what happens if I don't write it down. If I write it down, I could forget about it. If I don't write it down, the rest of my time is wasted. It, it is a weed. <laughs> it is a thorn in my, my time with God, it will preoccupy everything else because I'll keep thinking about, okay, if I have to get the oil changed, where am I going to take it to? Last time I took it to that place that rhymes with Walmart, uh, it took me nine hours. Uh, where am I going to go this time? Oh, that's more expensive. I wonder what kind of oil I need. Uh, I wonder if I should get the synthetic. I mean, do you all, I mean, I'm obsessed with that stupid stuff. But if I write it down, get the oil changed, I could obsess later. And so I write it down. I 
put it aside. And then the next thing that pops in my mind, well, I'll write it down. And that way, I can focus. Because it doesn't take any effort for you and me to have thorns and weeds pop up in our relationship with God. Now, a second ago, I said you have to allot time. I think it's incredibly important to allot some time. And here's what. I read a book recently called Finish by a guy named John Acuff. It's a great book, and you should read it if you've not read it. John Acuff, Finish. And what he talks about is too many times, and this is a great, this is a great understand at the beginning of a year, we make New Year's resolutions, 92% of which never happen, by the way. Uh, New Year's resolutions, only 8% ever come to fruition. Isn't that interesting? So we, we resolve to do something, but here's what happens. Let's say I resolve to spend time with God Every day. I'm going to spend 10 minutes with God every day. So I do it today and tomorrow and the next day. And I might do it for four days in a row. But on the fifth day, I forget or I get busy or I just don't. And now I'm at a crossroads. I can either just say, you know what, I I didn't do it perfectly, so I quit. Or, or... Better, better, better idea. I did it four days. I missed today. I'm gonna start back up tomorrow. I'm gonna pick up where I just where I left off. Is it better? You got 365 days. Is it better to go four days and quit and miss 361 days, or is it better to go four days, miss a day, five days, miss a day, six? Is it better to do 300 days than four days? And you miss a couple? Absolutely. The most important day is the day after perfect. That's what he talks about. If it's not perfect, it still counts. How many of you got through high school without a perfect grade point average? Liars? I mean, most of you. Does, it, does that diploma still count? It wasn't 4.0. Does it count? Yes. How many of you went through college without a 4.0 grade point average? Some of y'all, I guarantee you, some of us did. Does the degree on the wall still count if you didn't have it perfect? Yes. How many of you went to graduate school and you got through it and it wasn't perfect, but but that degree still counts? Do you ask your doctor, hey, doc, I see you got your diploma up here from Jimmy John University. What grades did you make? You ever ask a doctor? I've never asked a doctor. That dude could have made D's. I mean, who knows? And you might have figured that out later on. But now, at some point, it still counts, right? It doesn't have to be perfect to count. And so you make a, you resolve to do something. You're You're determined, I'm going to make some time for God. I'm going to be receptive. I'm going to open my mind to what He has to say. And you don't do it perfectly. It is, I'm going to give you permission today to not do it perfect. It's okay. If you miss a day, start back the next day. I'm joining a small group. Well, I missed one week. Well, that's okay. Come back the next week. It's all good. It's all good. One last thing. This is super important. You've got to resonate. You've got to agree with what God says. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up. And yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, If you got your ears on, you ought to listen to this. That's the southern translation. You agree with God. 
The thing is, you've got to pray, God, before you even tell me what to do, I'm going to agree to do it. Whether I understand it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I like it or not, I'm going to agree to do what you say. Because here's what we want to do. We want to say, hey God, here's the deal. Here's the deal, God. I want to make a little deal. If you'll tell me what you want me to do, I'll see if I want to do it. And if I want to do it, I'll do it. And if I don't, I'll say no. And God just, God's like, okay, here's, the, here's what you're going to do. You're going to agree to do what I tell you to do, or I'm not going to tell you what to do. You have to agree in advance. Remember Abraham? That's a great, Abraham is one of the greatest stories. God says to Abraham, pick up and leave. And Abraham says, where? And God says, I'm going to tell you. How I know when I get there? You'll just know because I'll tell you. I mean, one of the reasons Abraham is so revered is because he just did what God told him to do, even if he didn't understand it. I'm fairly certain he probably didn't like it because when you're 75 years old, you get set in your ways. He already had a place. He already had people. He already had, he, he knew where the Walmart was. He didn't have to figure that out. He knew how to get his prescriptions. He knew where the best bakery was. I mean, he knew all that stuff. Now he's going to go to a new place, new land, different people. God, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, whether I understand it or not, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not. I'm just going to do it because you tell me to do it. Because the Bible tells us, don't merely listen to God's word. You do what it says. Let's do a real quick review. Real quick review. If I want to hear God's voice, I've got to, number one, cultivate an open mind by believing that God does speak to people. More specifically, I believe that God speaks to me. So I'm going to be receptive. I believe it, and I'm going to listen. Number two, I'm going to allocate some time to listen. Now, you might... Say, hey, I'm going to start with an hour. Well, why don't you start with five minutes? Five minutes. Just five minutes. You get up five minutes early. You go to bed five minutes early. Somewhere in the day at lunchtime, you take five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. You allocate some time. Number three, you eliminate distractions. So you have a little notebook. And if there are just a distraction, there are distractions, you write them down. You get rid of them. You kind of flush them out. And I shift my focus from worry and pleasure-seeking and the pursuit of more. And, and I, I determine my focus is going to be on hearing God's voice and obeying God's voice. Oh, which is the final one. You resonate with what he says. I'm going to agree to do what he tells me to do even before he tells me to do it. There, there's... There's a list in Scripture of men and women who listened to God's voice and did what He said. And they had determined to do what He said before. When Mary, when, when the angel visited Mary, and she said, Oh, you who are highly favored, I, I've got some news for you. You're, you're going to be with child, and it's going to be of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to get to carry God's Son, and she said, it's, let it be as you say it to me. 
Let it happen the way you say it's going to happen. Uh, in other words, I agree and I am agreeable to do this very difficult thing. We can hear God's voice if we agree and are agreeable to do what He says. And we take the time to listen and we eliminate the distractions. It's possible for us, which is an amazing thing as we go into 2018 to realize. So the seed that God wants to plant in our spirits can grow if we are receptive to it. Father, I pray that we would be people who listen to your voice, who agree with your voice in advance, who eliminate distractions, that we are people who make time for you. I pray, God, that 2018 will be the greatest year and many people in this room will have the greatest year, 2018, because they hear and obey your voice. I pray it, God. I want it more than anything else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.